What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marcus. And I'm your host, B. Reed. What up, man? Chilling, man. Enjoying this national signing day. Oklahoma out here killing it. Getting ready for this national championship run. Oh, is that what's happening? That's what's happening here. You're witnessing to it. You're the first to know, man. Keep it a secret. Oh, well, it doesn't make me a believer, but all right. <laughs> uh, you know, so... Back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners. And how many national championships in that time? One. Huh? Oh, in the time for the back-to-back? Yeah. None. Oh, okay. We've been to the playoffs uh, three or four years, though. And how many championships did you get in those three years? None. Oh, okay. How many bowl games uh, Arkansas being in that time period? Hey, we ain't talking about Arkansas. <laughs> we're talking about Oklahoma. So, you know, I just want to make sure that you know that... You didn't ask the I'll, important question, though. What's the important question? How many Big 12 titles do we have in that time? The Big 12 don't matter. Yes, it does. Shit, it's only, hey. it's only three good teams in the Big 12. Hey, you keep your job by winning your conference championship. That's what that's what keep your job. We got like nine straight of those things going, so there you go. I guess. Well, <laughs> congrats. Cause, uh, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Maybe one day y'all get a, a national championship out of the deal. Um, you know, I doubt it. It won't be this year, but, you know, maybe one day. You sure you want to put that on record? Yep. All right. You know what you're going to get if you're wrong, right? We might get a whole episode of me just talking shit to you. Well, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, because I don't believe in you, so... And you're you also know. used to being wrong, so... I mean, now that is true. <laughs> you Typically, what I say does not come to fruition, so... Maybe uh, maybe Oklahoma will win the national championship, uh, I'm, indeed. I'm so. definitely on board with you being against us. Say it as many times <laughs> as possible. <laughs> All right, man. Um, so we've got early signing day today, um, which just came about last year. So that, of course, you know, um, doesn't. I guess it in some way benefits the kids, but not really. But it's mainly for the coaches and the schools to exploit these kids. But anyway, I disagree. Uh, well, all right. Um, so as usual, the SEC is leading uh, the recruiting cl- the recruiting recruiting classes. Um, I know that just makes you burning your britches but it is the facts i don't know how much facts it is because i mean if anyone pays attention to recruiting we know some of these five-star rankings in his classes there's a lot of bias that goes into that which also goes towards the sec and espn's contract with them i mean you can get an offer from bama and georgia and you're automatically a five-star so i don't know how validated that is but it is validated by the fact that most of the time these are the people that are competing for championships i think i'm just salty that OU's ranked number eight i'm pretty sure that's what it is you know i'm very surprised that uh usc is so far down um usc is typically always in the top 10 of recruiting classes and they're number 23 at the moment um but they're not controlling their state um, no, got a not. lot of people going in there. Like OU, I think I like six people from there. It's just, it's unheard of for OU to come get the number one quarterback. Well, I guess he's he's on the West Coast though, so that's still USC territory. I think he's out of Phoenix, but OU's getting a bunch of talent, and they're coming south, and that's just unheard of for USC. Not that's like LSU allowing players to go west. That shouldn't happen with you know USC. USC should get the prime pick of all talent out there. And that hadn't been happening in the last couple of years. This is like a low for them. 
I mean, even Arkansas is ranked ahead of USC at number 19. Can we just talk about how basically the recruiting classes in the top 20, they're all SEC. I mean, I think every SEC team has a top 20 ranked uh, recruiting class. Um, Do you see this every year, though? And it's, it's not for all those schools. Like, that's what I'm saying. If you get an offer from, even if you're a three-star and you get an offer from Bama, even if you don't choose Bama, might be an offensive tackle, and they got 19 offensive tackles, so they choose Ole Miss. Well, now Ole Miss ranking just went up because that person had an offer from Bama in Florida. So now this three-star is now a four-star or five-star. So, But still, 10 in the top 20 and then 12 in the top 25, I mean – Hey, we'll see if it translates to being a better product on the field because not all those teams show that. I mean, I'm pretty yeah, sure great. it was like that last year, too. Not everybody because Arkansas had a terrible class last year. But, you know, it doesn't always translate to wins. Um, So is there anything that kind of surprised you about this signing period? I know that there, that you usually don't see recruits leaving Alabama to go play for another school. Um, so you had a five-star recruit that jumped from Alabama as a commit to a um, commit for uh, the University of Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care about that. I mean, yeah, you got five stars flipping. But I think what really surprised me is I've been really paying attention to uh, Georgia's backup quarterback situation. I mean, they just brought in five-star fields last year as part of one of their top three recruiting classes and now he's talking about transferring and i guess there's a lot of smoke to this because they were saying that they really needed to sign a backup um to from so they were really excited about getting this quarterback dewan something he signed um because it is looking like fields justin fields is going to transfer now i don't know how much of this has to do with just from being there and not being able to play for another year or two but I'm hearing that it might be some off-the-field stuff, some racism going on. But it's top schools to transfer to, or I believe Florida State, Oklahoma. Um, there's one more, and then he was an original commit to Penn State, and that quarterback's leaving. So, I mean, it'd be interesting. Whatever's happening, he believes that he can get a waiver to play next year. So I think that's really impacting Georgia's recruiting. Yeah, um, well, I mean, not too much. They still have a... A top, what are they, number two in recruiting right now? Yeah, they're number two. I'm not saying that it impacted them negatively. I'm just saying they put more focus. I mean, you see if they're putting more focus on bringing a quarterback and they just signed a five-star last year, you have Fromm there for another year or two. I mean, that shouldn't be a focus for Georgia right now with a five-star sitting on the bench. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty much all I have to say about early signing period. That It's just something that's brand new. Well, I guess still technically new. Um, you mentioned that you think that do you do you think that's an advantage for the students? Yeah, I mean because at the end of the day, you know, you you say that colleges use these players, which is true. But at the end of the day, this is a job interview. So the, I mean, the earlier you can get on the field, the more likely it is that you can come out early and you're not just there. Uh, with with these players signing early in December then they're allowed to, if they can graduate early, which most of them can, um, they're allowed to get get on campus in January. That means you're on campus a whole semester early, earlier. Um, you get the practices. You get to go into spring practice. You get a lot of advantages where you have a half a year before you even get there next year where you can earn maybe potentially a starting spot. You can take someone's spot. So if you can get on the field earlier, that just helps you to get in the NFL faster where college football isn't using you. 
Um, last year, 221 of the ESPN Top 300 signed. And, I mean, I don't see that number going down today. There's a lot of people committing. Like, schools are getting 20 commits. Like, so when February comes, you're looking for two or three people to commit maybe just to fill out your class. But people are start signing their whole team in December now. Right. Um, so we talked a little bit about this last week, or I guess two weeks ago. We went on a little hiatus. Um, what do you think about Bryce Love and other players sitting out for the bowl games? I mean, I think this is a trend that's going to continue to increase. Um, we're up to about 20 players now that are sitting out bowl games, and I'm not even sure if that's counting the people that <laughs> didn't even that declined to even play the rest of the season, like Bosa. So I don't think this number is going down because at the end of the day, what's the what's the what's the benefit of playing in these bowl games if you're not playing for a championship i mean they're fun and all but if it's going to cost you millions of dollars which we've seen in the past we've seen people drop four and five rounds we've seen people go from the third round to undrafted just because of a devastating energy injury that they've had in these bowl games these bowl games help the school they don't help the players right oh i'm i'm 100 for a player sending them out especially if you have if you're like a, a top three round player I'd say sit it out unless it's a it's a title game because you know your stock can only go down. I mean now if you're a fringe player, if you're back half of the draft, it's probably going to benefit you to play. I don't know why you would sit out, but um, yeah, I'm, I mean I'm all for it, man. I know people are going to get all up in arms about you know these these players not caring about their team or they're being selfish, not team players. But it's like, look, man, I got a chance to make millions of dollars or lose millions of dollars. Like literally, it could go either way. Yeah, I mean, I hate that whole loyalty thing. It's, it always seems like loyalty only goes one way in sports. Like, oh, you're supposed to be loyal to the school that you play for, but the school isn't loyal to you. I mean, if they find someone better, they'll bench you, even though you put in two or three years. I mean, were they loyal to, uh, what was the kid from uh, Clemson? I mean, he sat and waited his time. He was supposed to be better than Deshaun Watson, and they weren't Kelly loyal. Kelly Bryant. Yeah, Kelly Bryant. As soon as they got Trevor Lawrence in there to show some talent, they weren't loyal to him. So this whole lo- same thing with Jalen Hurts. Yeah. So this whole loyalty to a team, you're supposed to be loyal. Like that's BS, man. You're supposed to do what's best for you because the school is always gonna do what's best for them. So whatever it is, if it's getting in there and they promise you stuff, that's why I love this four game red shirt rule because if that if that team promises you something and you get there and it's not, I'm all for these kids transferring and going back and recruitment. Keep stop these coaches from lying to these kids and getting them locked in. Right. I mean, there's a lot that's wrong with college football. <laughs> Excuse me, with college sports. I mean, you talk about, you know, players that if a coach gets fired or takes another job that the players are still stuck at that school when they came there just for that coach. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot that that goes to show that these people really don't care about the kids. And you know how I feel about it. And we, we kind of may disagree on the wording, but um, I definitely think that college athletics in general is a real farce. Yeah, a lot of things is just done to make money. Just like this signing day thing. It's this big hoopla and everyone's on TV. And it's just just money generating for ESPN. It brings rating. It brings viewers in. Man, I've been following long enough to know that a lot of times this might be the only day you hear from some of these four or five star recruits. They get on the field and they're not four or five star. You get some of these three stars that become five star prospects. So, how much stock you put into all this, um, it's kind of questionable. I mean, you do have some talent, but I've seen this happen before. 
Um, a lot of times it's the people that we that don't get the hoopla, like those offensive linemen and defensive tackles that no one really is talking about. Those are the guys that really impact the team. Right. Well, that, I mean, that's the old adage that, uh, you know, the game is won in the trenches. So, um, well, most, yeah. most teams that are good are really good in the trenches. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all right, man, let's, uh, let's kind of shift the gears over to the NFL real quick. Um, we are, you know, in week 16, we've had some teams that have, have been knocked out of playoff contention, and we have some teams that, um, you know, are trying to make their final push, kind of like your Eagles here, when we didn't think that would be possible for them, um, you know, a week, a week or two ago. Yeah, the NFC is looking a lot like the um, Eastern Conference of the NBA. <laughs> you got a... You got three bums down there that no one really – well, you can add Dallas in there. I would say four bums that you really don't think will go anywhere. But you get a team like the Eagles or Dallas in the playoffs, you never really know. So as of right now, you got three teams fighting for – well, more like yeah, three teams fighting for one spot because Dallas is probably going to win the division. So then you'll have the Vikings. Um, I believe they're, what, 7-6-1. Seven, and one. And then you have the Eagles and Redskins at 7-7. Seven and seven fighting for that one spot we all think that the well i'm pretty sure the seahawks are going to lock in that other wild card spot so it's becoming a pretty interesting battle where even though the eagles won the super bowl last year they're kind of in the control of their own destiny because they own the tiebreaker against what i mean against the vikings because they beat them head to head and they get washington the last game of the season so if they can beat the texans in washington they'll get in over the vikings so it's a bit interesting but even even as an Eagles fan, I don't think they'll make much noise in the playoffs. No, I think it's one of those whoever comes. I mean, I don't know. Dallas could mess around and, and make some noise if they get in. That defense has, you know, really, really improved. Um, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch and, and uh, Jalen Smith, those those two linebackers are, are the absolute real deal. So um, The problem with that, though, is if when Dallas gets in, they're not going to get a bye. So, all the matchups down there are kind of a bad matchup for Dallas. I mean, even though they beat the Eagles twice, I mean, they kind of had some luck in their favor. Even that last game was in overtime. If they play against the Seahawks, that's a bad matchup for them also because they have no offense, and Russell can just, he can run away from that defense and make plays. So I just don't put a lot of faith, especially, especially after what I saw against the Colts last week. I mean, they scored zero points. That shouldn't happen against the Colts. With an Ezekiel Elliott and an Amari Cooper and a Dak Prescott, how do you score zero points? So, I just I, I just don't trust them, man. That offense is too bad. Even when the defense is playing well, that offense does not score consistently enough for me to put any trust in the Cowboys. Yeah, um, you know, I, I wouldn't really shock me either way. I didn't expect them to be in this position, and you know, Amari Cooper has made a, a hell of a difference for them, although he didn't last week, but. Um, I don't think that was on him, but you just see what kind of player he is if you get him the ball. Um, you know, so I think that I think that it's going to be an interesting two-game stretch here. Um, and on the flip side, of that the team are not um, going to be competing for a playoff spot. You're starting to hear the reports come out of you know Cam's done for the season um, because his shoulder is truly messed up. Aaron Rodgers might be done for the season having a groin injury. Um, so to all you fancy players out there, just stay strong, people. Stay strong. And it goes back to what I said before, man. I, I see Dak Prescott. He gets a lot of, you know, flack for just being a check down quarterback and not being able to do this and that. But I will say one thing about Dak. He's struggling this year at times, 
but he has not had legitimate weapons the whole time he's been there. I mean, even his first year as a starter, when he was a surprise starter as a rookie, he had Daz and he had Witten, but Witten isn't really going to stretch the field. He's just a safety net with Zeke. Then he lost Zeke, and Witten was on his last leg. And now this year, they came in with no receivers. I mean, who they have? Tavon Austin, Cole Beasley, Allen Hearns, Bryce Butler. Like, none of those names make you feel like they can get open. You give him one weapon in Amari Cooper, and he's been like 5-2. and two. So I think that people need to reserve judgment with Dak. I think he needs an offensive coordinator for one thing. But also, he needs weapons on that team, someone that can help him. Because I've seen him throw deep, and he's missed Amari Cooper a lot on those deep balls. But he, had him get, he hasn't even had a full offseason with Amari Cooper. That takes right. timing. Yeah, and I, I think that duo will get better. Amari Cooper, I've always said, even though he can't catch for shit sometimes, um, he he is an elite route runner, and, and people have always been like, oh, no, he sucks. I'm like, if you go back and watch the games with the Oakland Raiders, Amari Cooper was always open. That dude just, I mean, his routes are so crisp, and he finds a way to get get open. It's just a matter of getting him the ball um, and him catching and it. if he catches it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, so he is an elite and dynamic receiver. Um, so I think the Cowboys, if they can add a couple pieces, although I do like that Michael Gallup has kind of come on lately. Uh, because you know, kind of shows he's not a number one. He's even though they draft him in the first round, he's probably a number two. And Amari Cooper can probably be your number one. Um, so we'll see. But we spent too much doggone time on the Cowboys. Um, who do you think is the most complete team in the NFC right now? It's hard to say. Um, I would probably have to go with the Bears, which they're not the one that's getting a lot of fanfare, and um, not a lot of people are picking them to go to the championship. But far as defense and offense. I think they have the most complete team out there because the defense is legit. They can terrorize any quarterback. And then on offense, that offensive coordinator makes it so easy for uh, – what's his, what's his name? Um, I just lost Mid- track of Mitch, – Yeah, Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky. Nagy makes it so easy for him and so many different things going on that that offense can score and get down the field pretty easily with a Tariq Cohen and an Allen Robinson. They just have a, a lot of weapons that they can use to get down the field. So any team facing them, I don't care if it's the Rams, I don't care if it's the Saints, they're going to have real trouble because if that pass rush is healthy, that's what it's about. Can you get the ball off? No matter how many weapons you can, if you have, and both teams have shown that their offensive line has like looked real shaky lately. So... Um, do you think that I, I'm of the belief that the Super Bowl winner is going to come out of the NFC? Um, I, I think it's going to be the Saints or if the Rams can kind of stay healthier or figure out how to get Jared Goff going. Um, the, what's happened to the Rams is they've just been hit with injuries. They really miss Cooper Cup, which is, you know, you didn't think you'd be saying that. Hey, yeah. well, be that that defense is just God awful, especially for how much money you've been paying those players. Marcus Peters has not been good this year, and Dom Kinsu has been almost non-existent this year. Um, and you just really expected more from that defense. Yeah, that's my thing about paying defensive linemen and, and edge rushers. You pay them all that money, but then if they're not effective, I mean, they can be neutralized. You know what I mean? And, and with all that, over the offseason, it's all we talked about how dominant that defensive line was going to be. But they are not getting to the um, they are not getting to the quarterback like they should. With all the money that they put in Donald and Sue, and I think the Chiefs are smart to get rid of Peters because with all his back um, background and the things that he brings to the table, his baggage is not worth having him on the field. And he gets a ton of penalties. 
So that defense has not played to the level, although getting uh, to lead back has helped. I just don't trust them. I don't trust them. I don't trust golf. Um, the Saints, their offensive line play ever since that Dallas game has been very, very bad. So, but I don't. I, I really like. I really like the Chargers, though. I can't say that I that the NFC. I mean, you can't discount Brady because in the playoffs he becomes a whole different monster. And then the Chargers feel like they're the most complete team in the NFL right now. I like them better than the Chiefs, even though they were tearing it up. But that defense, Derwin James, man, he's a monster out there. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Derwin James. <laughs> um, the Raiders would have just misused him anyway. Traded him. They drafted him with a lottery and traded him for a second. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I I'm I think here's my deal. You, you mentioned Tom Brady uh, and the Patriots. I just don't think that that team is any good this year. Like, I just don't. I think that um, – I think that Gronk is done. I, the, he can't create separation anymore. He can't get open. I think that Tom Brady has shown signs that he is not the quarterback that he once was. Um, you know, I watched that game against the Steelers this weekend, and uh, they they made they made Brady look like a, an average quarterback. And honestly, he's not been good all season. He's had a couple games here and there, but the Patriots just not have not been good. Um, and it's this is that one year where you really see what I've been talking about all along, that they're beneficiaries of playing in that god-awful division. Yeah, I mean, there's some truth to that. Tom Brady has not looked good most of the season. It's definitely not the Tom Brady from last year, the Tom Brady that we're used to seeing. The problem is, is that Bill Belichick is a great coach. I mean, he's kind of an asshole, but he's a great coach. So I can't discount what he will scheme for the playoffs. And they're a veteran team. They look a lot better when they get in the playoffs. I feel like I've seen this story before. Like, oh, the Patriots aren't as good as they were before. And then they get in the playoffs and become a whole different team. And that's why you can never count them out. Now, this might be one of the first seasons in a while that they have to play in the wild card matchup. I think that could affect them because this is an older team. They have a lot of veterans on the team. It's not a lot of youth on that team. And they don't get that extra week to really prepare for a team. So, I mean, this may not be a championship year for them, but they're always dangerous. But as I said, I mean, the Chiefs, they have problems with their defense. You can score on them. Um, I don't like the Steelers because for some reason, with all the talent that they have on offense, they can't score on man coverage. And most of the good teams in the AFC play press man. I don't. I still can't really understand why they can't get open in press man. So is that a is that a coaching issue or is that a personnel issue? Because you've got two great receivers on the outside, and you've got two very athletic tight ends on the inside. Not to mention a good duo of running backs that have shown. Now again, people are going to say people are going to be like, you know, oh. See, anybody can, can be Le'Veon Bell behind that line, and that's just not true. Le'Veon Bell is a difference maker. Like, when you can line up a, a running back as a wide receiver, move him all over the field, and he catches, he can catch 100 balls and rush for 1,000 yards, I mean, you don't – James Conner has been good, but he has not been Le'Veon Bell. And I think that's one of the problems that they're missing because they're used to having Le'Veon Bell, and you can't do that with Le'Veon Bell there. Uh, one of the things is they have to make a decision where the, they're kind of showing their hand. If they put a running back in, 90% of the time they're, they're running the ball. <laughs> and then if they want to pass the ball, then they go five wide because that threat out the backfield isn't there. 
with Le'Veon, you can leave him in there. He can go as wide receiver five wide and come back, and you never really know what they're going to do. And if you do happen to man up Le'Veon Bell on a linebacker, he'll destroy you. (laughs) So um, having that, and you saw them – you saw the effects of that in the last game when they started putting like um, Ryan Switzer back there running back and uh, Eli Rogers because putting Samuels or James Conner or any of those running backs back there, you just know that they are probably going to run the ball or that running back is in there for pass protection. He's not in there to catch the ball, which leaves the linebacker over the middle to cover the short routes. They got one high safety and then they're coming to get Ben and their line isn't great. So they just have some real problems on that offense that Le'Veon Bell used to fix, and he's not there anymore. Yeah, I completely agree. So I always find it laughable when people are like, oh, Le'Veon did himself a disservice. I don't think he did at all, actually. Yeah, I think um, they, they are undervaluing. Just like the Steelers are undervaluing him, I believe everyone undervalues how good Le'Veon Bell is. Is more than just him running and catching. It's how he takes the pressure off of all the other people in the offense. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, a couple more things I want to get to before we move on to the to the NBA. Um, so the Cowboys and the Eagles have some decisions to make uh, this offseason as far as paying quarterbacks go. Um, both of their quarterbacks are up for, you know, what's going to look like over $100 million contracts. Maybe each one of them becomes uh, two of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. Do you think that either team is in a pickle um you know we have a lot of quarterbacks i I would say that of the top 10 only one of them is going to make the playoffs this year um none of the hundred million dollar quarterbacks other than andrew luck are going to make the playoffs this year maybe Kirk cousin sneaks in there but he's not a hundred million dollar quarterback but he's a top 10 paid quarterback yeah if you look at the um the top 10 paid quarterback list then you'll see that it's really not about winning when you talk about who gets paid because if that's the case, Matt Stafford wouldn't have the money. Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't have the money. Derek it's more Carr. about talent. Yeah, it's more about talent. Um, it's hard to find really good quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, I know we nitpick a lot of different quarterbacks and things that quarterbacks do. But it's very hard to find a quarterback in the NFL. Um, you think you got one. You think you got a Jameis Winston who won a championship in college. And he, and he comes in and he's just not what you expected. So once you get one that you know is talented, you kind of have to pay him. That's why Matt Stafford got the money. He's never really, what, been out the second round or the first round? I don't think he's ever won a playoff game. Yeah, I mean, but he gets the money. He And he got a second contract. He got a second $100 million contract because of the talent, because he can make the throws. And the belief is if you can get a quarterback there, then everything else you can build around. Now, whether you do it or not, two different issues. The thing about it is Wentz and Dak have questions. I mean, last year we would both probably say that definitely they deserve the money. Money. Wentz problem is now he has a bit of an injury history. You see, got to start questioning: is he injury prone? Some of the questions coming out of college saying that hey, he won't be able to stand up to the hits that he's going to take in, and he's only in his third year. Um, now he has a knee issue; he has a fracture in his back. I mean, that's a lot for a dude making a hundred million dollars. Then that you question: can he actually win? Is he just another version of Alex Smith, a checkdown master? But you gave him one wep- weapon, and he looks a lot better. So. I believe that you have to pay them. I believe that they're both going to get somewhere in the 120, 140 range with a ton of guaranteed money because the teams have to pay them. Yeah, I mean, and they're kind of in a – you're really, if you're Dallas, I think you pay Carson Wentz. I mean, you can see what he does when he's healthy. But if you're Dallas, you kind of look at Dak and 
you know, for me, it's like, well, what do we do here? Because I just don't think Dak is that good. I just don't. I don't think they think Dak is that good. But what can you do? So Dak is I mean, still young, though. I, he, I just think that Dak gets a lot of criticism. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be the greatest, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever because the one Super Bowl he won 10 years ago. But if you don't get a good a good coaching staff where you can be in line with the play calling and weapons around you, you're going to have a problem. And Rodgers is struggling. He has Adams, who is one of the best receivers, I would say, top five, top ten receivers in the league, and they still don't even make the playoffs. And that's Aaron Rodgers with a $100 million contract getting $80 million in one year, and they don't make the playoffs. I don't understand all the criticism of that. Well, but the problem is, you know, Dak just doesn't win games. <laughs> I mean, and when he's bad, he's really bad. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, you can kind of figure out why Aaron Rodgers has been bad. Um, a lot of that is coaching and scheming. And, you know, to be frank, Aaron Rodgers is a real prick, and everyone knows it. Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest issues with the Packers. One of the biggest issues with the Packers is that whatever they do, they, they tend to keep locked up inside of there. But everyone who's left there, they've said that Aaron Rodgers is a pretty massive asshole. Yeah, he's pretty arrogant, California guy, you know. But the one thing I will say is that, as I said earlier, you got to put weapons around your quarterback to actually know what he can do. Like, I I would say that I would argue against having Matt Ryan more than I would against having Dak because Matt has always had weapons surrounding him. Like, what, for the better part of his career, he's had one of the best receivers in the NFL. He can't even figure out how to score touchdowns. I don't care what offensive coordinator he has. That's a problem for me more than that. Yeah, Working but Matt Ryan no got an MVP, got you to a Super Bowl, um, and then, you know, yeah, I think that that he's a flawed quarterback, but, I mean, he's I would take him over Dak Prescott. But, I mean, if you look at the first three years, you're not saying, oh, well, Matt got us to the Super Bowl. And got us to the, he had some of the same flaws that Dak had, and he put it together when he got a bunch of weapons and they got a good offensive coordinator and they put everything together with a good defense, got to the Super Bowl, and then had one of the most massive breakdowns ever. But – he had things around him. But early in his career, I mean, he didn't have that. And then some, you have some players like Joe Flacco, early in their career, they have success and look like they stars. And then everywhere after that, they look worse than Dak. Yeah. Well. All right, man. And then lastly, um, are you shocked that Alvin Kamara didn't make the Pro Bowl? Yes. Yes. I mean, he, he did see a pretty dramatic drop when Ingram come, came back. And I don't know why that is. But based on talent, based on what he did early, I mean, he has the stats to get in. I don't even, I can't is, even remember who who got in over him. Christian McCaffrey, I would okay. say, is deserved. Yeah, I mean, can't take that. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, deserved. Mm, yeah. Todrick Gurley, deserved. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you can't. I mean, he's got the stats, but all three of those cats have better stats. I mean, that yeah, just is you, what it when is. When you put it like that, I would probably have to say no. The only argument that you could have had if he would have kept up production would have been Zeke, because Zeke was kind of up and down this year. But I mean, I would say Todd Gurley and Christian McCaffrey are probably two of the best, if not the two best backs in the NFL playing right now, um, by what they do for their team and how they're used. So I mean, I don't really see anybody that Alvin would re- uh, replace, so I'm going to have to say no. Yeah, so unless you want to – yeah, I mean, you can't throw him in anywhere else, but he was definitely not better than uh, than those three guys. So, And a lot of that probably is because, like you said, he had to kind of um, 
rollout time with uh, or split time with Mark Ingram. But yeah, I mean, it just can't get them all in, unfortunately. But he'll he'll end up playing in it if they if they don't make the Super Bowl because somebody'll sit out. So Oh yeah, you know, now that the Pro Bowl is like a week before the Super Bowl, I don't even think that they go to Hawaii anymore. They may do. They may have put it back there. Oh, I think they but, go to Orlando or something. No yeah. basically nobody wants to play in the Pro Bowl anyway. <laughs> you're gonna have everybody say no, they don't wanna go. So you're gonna have like the tenth running back is gonna get get in. So shit, that's Derek Carr made it like three years in a row because fifteen quarterbacks before him said no, and then they were like, "All right, well, Derek," and he went and didn't Blake Bortles make it last year? I wouldn't shock me. It really wouldn't <laughs> shock me. So. Yeah, so they've taken a lot of prestige out of that award. I mean, I think the first initial roster is where all the prestige comes in, and then after that, it's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's an exhibition game that nobody wants to play in. Right. I mean, yeah, dude, it's not worth getting hurt. Um, now I am impressed that old Philip Lindsay he was the first undrafted rookie to make a Pro Bowl or something like that in his yes, first season. Yeah, yeah, he and he was killing it, man. I mean, he had a great year. And the crazy thing is, I feel like running backs haven't had a spectacular year. There's only three running backs that are over um, over a thousand yards at this point in the season, which is pretty rare. Yeah, I mean, because it's still it's still a running back by committee league and. That's what makes Kamara and Zeke and Christian McCaffrey so valuable because I would say they're probably the only three down backs in the NFL. I mean, you got Le'Veon Bell. That's what he's fighting for. Ty Girl, you know, you have these backs that are fighting because they're everybody else is by committee. There's only so many running backs that can do it all. Block, you know, catch, everything. Wait, and, I made a mistake. Christian McCaffrey did not make the Pro Bowl. Saquon well, Barkley made it. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I understand the rookie had a really good year and he's exciting, but if you've never watched Christian McCaffrey, you can't appreciate everything he does. Like his stats are taken away because their offensive line is so bad and they literally have to leave him in the block and he still puts in top five numbers. Christian so, McCaffrey's incredible. And I, I remember when uh watching him in college and everybody compared him to Reggie Bush who I've I've been on record of saying Reggie Bush is probably the best college running back I've well top three him Ricky Williams and um LaDainian Tomlinson in my lifetime probably the best running backs I've ever seen in college and Christian McCaffrey man was like I think he was better than Reggie Bush in college which is blasphemous to say I think that a lot of other people would agree with you if there weren't two factors involved. Number one, he's white. <laughs> and number I mean, two, yeah. he's on the West Coast. Those two things worked against him. But if anybody in the SEC would have did the things that Christian McCaffrey did, they would be considered the greatest running backs ever and probably would have won back-to-back Heisman trophies. Yeah. So, I mean, the dude isn't – Christian McCaffrey is truly incredible. I think he gets disrespected because he's white. Same thing with Adam Thielen, uh, Jordy Nelson. All those years, they weren't considered top in their position at at those speed positions because they're uh, they're they're white guys. So you know, sucks. What, is, uh, what does my one guy say? I can't remember his name, uh, but he always says they're sneaky athletic. Oh yeah, I mean they get that sneak <laughs> sneaky athletic, deceptively quick, deceptively quick and sneaky athletic <laughs> motor that never quits. Lunch Why can't they just guys. be fast? <laughs> yeah, like there are white. Do you know who Christian McCaffrey's parents are? His mom's like a Olympic track athlete, uh, you know, a gold medal athlete. His dad's obviously a, a, a former NFL receiver. It's like 
Just yeah. give the man the respect. He's a he's a high quality athlete, regardless of race. He comes from a long line of sneaky, athletic, deceivingly <laughs> quick. <laughs> yeah, genes. Uh, it's crazy. All right, man. Let's get on to the NBA. Um, had a lot go down. We're at the beginning of trade season. Um, Trevor Reza was traded to the Wizards in a part of a three team deal that fell through. Um, so. It just it, it kind of shows the dysfunction between at least two of those organizations. <laughs> I don't think I mean I think Memphis was like I I so here's what I think happened for those of y'all who don't know the Memphis Grizzlies the Phoenix Suns the Washington Wizards all agreed in principle to swap these players around and the Grizzlies have two players on their team Marshawn Brooks and Dylan Brooks and one of those cats was being traded. Um, and Phoenix, so a Brooks was going to Phoenix, Ariza was going to Washington, and uh, Kelly Oubre was going to Memphis. But the thing got uh, held up because Phoenix was like, oh, yeah, we're getting Dylan Brooks, and Memphis was like, uh, no, you're not. And <laughs> Phoenix was like, wait, well, that's what we agreed on. We're getting Brooks. <laughs> yeah, y'all getting Marshawn Brooks. And uh, so the whole <laughs> like trade fell through. Marshawn Brooks. Yeah. I- Oh, I already know Memphis thought they were stealing. They were like, wait, these mofos really want Marshawn Brooks? And we going to get Oubre? Oh, done deal. Yeah. So I have no doubt that Memphis was the shady ones in this <laughs> in this scenario. They just said, yeah, we'll give y'all Brooks. They didn't say which one. Yeah, by what I was reading, it sounded like uh, Memphis had had conversations with the Suns regarding Dylan Brooks and had some kind of interest in trading or maybe trading Dylan to Phoenix. So Phoenix and Washington are the only ones communicating. Phoenix never communicated with uh with Memphis during this three team trade. So when they you know, Washington being slick probably said, Oh yeah, and they're gonna give you Brooks and Sons was like, Deal and apparently <laughs> no one found out that they were talking about Marshawn Brooks until the trade call to confirm the trade and the Phoenix was like, Oh hell no, I don't want Marshawn Brooks. Marshawn right. Brooks and Austin Rivers, I uh, will pass. Well, they were getting Wayne Selden too, so you oh, know that that's the they, kicker. They were getting huh? a real a real <laughs> nice package for uh, a real nice package of dudes they're gonna cut. Yeah. So, um, so do you think that's the kind of the first domino to fall, and that we'll start to see some pretty major uh, trades, you know, over the next couple months? Yeah, man. I think. Um, well. To go along with that, they did redo the trade just between Phoenix and Washington. It ended up being Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers for Trevor Reza. So Trevor Reza is now part of the Washington Wizards for, I believe, his second stint there. And um, Kelly Oubre is on the Phoenix Suns. Austin Rivers was cut, and he is yet to sign with the team. But, yeah, I do. The December 15th deadline was when people that were signed earlier in the year um, could be traded. Um, I think you're seeing a lot of buyer's remorse from teams signing players. Like, okay, Phoenix, why are you signing Trevor Reza to an $18 million contract? It didn't make sense at the time. Yeah. I mean, I understand what Trevor Reza's doing. I mean, you're old, so of course you take the money. But it doesn't make sense for Phoenix. Just idiot move. Um, You got Houston Rockets still sitting on Carmelo Anthony. They couldn't trade him into the 15th. I think you'll see that shoe falls at some point. So, yeah, you see this. Um, this a lot, but I really don't think you're going to see anything to probably January or closer to the trade deadline. Just kind of how these things go. Um, but this is the first shoe to drop. I don't think it makes either team better. I don't think it really matters in the grand scheme of things. I just think this is two bad organizations making bad moves. 
I mean, I think Washington's got to blow that team up. I've been saying that for a while now. John Wall and Bradley Beal really don't like each other. Otto Porter doesn't like Brett. No one likes uh, John Wall, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and honestly, they I wouldn't say they play better without him, but they definitely, uh, they don't miss him when he's gone, put it that way. So John Wall, he has that Steve Nash thing. It's a lot of the, the argument that I used to say about Steve Nash and even about Rondo whenever the big three broke up. Yeah, the stats look like, oh, John Wall averages 12 assists a game. So he obviously shares the ball. But, yeah, he, he dominates the ball, and he really doesn't let players get in rhythm. It's more of, yeah, you can score when I allow you to. But you don't really let people get in rhythm, touch the ball, handle the ball. You're not really – the ball isn't really swinging where everyone's getting a first shot. A lot of times it's just John Wall holding the ball or Bradley Beal holding the ball, and Otto Porter gets left out. So – or – you know, they freeze John Wall out, and he's obviously open, and you see them just playing keep away from him. Just a bad system altogether, and Scott Brooks obviously isn't strong enough to handle any of the personalities on the team, just like he wasn't strong enough to handle Kevin Durant or West Russell Westbrook. So, bad organization, making bad moves, which we've seen this for years. So, um... We kind of talked about it a little bit last podcast, but uh, what are the Bulls doing? So they've <laughs> Jabari Parker was by all accounts putting up good numbers for them, and uh, I don't know if they were too good of numbers to like win or help them win because that's not what the Bulls want right now. But uh, they've completely cut him out of the rotation. They're looking to trade him. Um, that's another organization that you. Uh, there are a lot of bad organizations in the NBA, and the Bulls, outside of a ten-year stretch, sorry. 14-year stretch, I suppose. Yeah, it's a long way from that 98 finals. Yeah, basically since the 90s, outside of a three-year stretch with Derrick Rose, have been a complete mess. Yeah, you know, um, that's another case of buyer's remorse, but the real reason why you're seeing these bad contracts being signed is because of the smart moves by the players, which their union is gaining a lot of steam to become just as strong as the baseball union. What they did is they put in a salary floor. So we always hear about the salary cap and, you know, the ceiling. But now teams have a floor. They're making these teams spend that money. So when you're bad, you still have to sign. You can't just sit back like Donald Sterling used to do and just roll on draft picks and have a $70 million roster. You have a salary floor that you have to meet. So that's why you're seeing a lot of these bad signings. As you said, Trevor Ariza's signing was terrible. But they kind of had to do it. Because <laughs> they let Alex Lynn go, and they have a bunch of rookies. Then um, the Bulls, everyone knew that was a bad move, but they're in the same situation. So right. they're just giving this money to meet the meet the floor for the year. But actually, these moves are terrible. That's why you're going to see a lot more movement uh, on December 15th. Now they're trying to move to Jabari Parker. And that's kind of easy coinc- to do because that's a hefty contract that they gave him. Well, it's actually easier than you may think. It's a, It was a pretty smart deal. I don't know why Jabari agreed to it with two bad knees. He must have just wanted to go to Chicago. Because it's, it's a two-year, $40 million deal, but it's a team option on the second year. So he essentially signed a one-year, $20 million deal. I don't understand why anybody with two bad knees would do that. I mean, he's had two ACL injuries over the last two years, or maybe three years. Yeah, three why? years. Why would you sign a two-year contract with a team option on the second? That's just bad management. So yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty much an expiring contract. So they'll be able to move it. It's just what they want to move it for. Um. Anyway, so now you got the Bulls that are fighting with the... Uh, by the way, Russell Westbrook has been pretty chippy lately. He's been in two fights in the last two games. Um, 
Yeah, you're trying to intimidate these youngsters, and they're not going for it, man. No, they they ain't having it. So, um, but Oklahoma City is sitting at number one or number two in the West right now. So, or number two because Denver's number, two number behind one. Denver. Um, so whatever he's doing must be working. Well, I mean that team looks a lot tougher, and that's why I, that's why I'm not so sold that Houston is going to recover from getting Carmelo. Man, that dude's a legit cancer. This team looks a lot better, a lot tough, tougher. Um, they look a lot more together than they did last year. They're just playing at another level. You can see the effort. And it, it's essentially the same team. I mean, you add Dennis Schroeder, take off Carmelo Anthony, but you essentially have the same team, and they're playing a lot better. So I like this. I like this Westbrook. I like the dog in Westbrook when he's pushing everybody. But, you know, some of it's kind of fake. I like when um, he pushed Jamal Murray. You know, they were kind of talking back it. and forth. Yeah. And then Jokic comes in. You heard his face. Like, I'll, I'll F you up. Like, I'm playing mm-hmm. with him, but I'll F you up. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but I like this Westbrook, man. That's what I like about Westbrook is his fire. Yeah. Um, you know, I put a lot of – and then he got into a fight with Chris Dunn last night or two nights ago, I should say. And, you know, at some point it's like – I don't, I don't think Chris Dunn's ever said a word to anybody. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's just like at some point, all right, we get it. We get it, yeah. Russ. You're a tough the, guy. The best part about it is when Sideshow Bob comes in there. I think that uh, Robin Lopez might He's be crazy. a legit tough guy, man. Because dudes is. don't really mess with him. No. I mean, and they he... might talk tough on TV, but they, they do kind of back away. Nobody's just jumping in Robin Lopez's face. And he's always down to fight, too. So. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's one dude that d- doesn't seem like anybody will mess with. That hair says he's crazy. So, to still have that hair in 2018, I mean, yeah, he probably got a few screws loose, so. Hey, a little bit of breaking news. Your Raiders and, you know, making money moves out here signs Nathan Peterman. What's up with this dude, man? How does he keep getting a job? Man, Gruden uh, loved him on his quarterback camp show. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> How does Nathan Peterman continue to get signed? This is like the best argument for Colin Kaepernick ever. How does Nathan Peterman continue to get a job in the NFL? And, but but my guy uh, Tebow can't get a job? <laughs> And on, why? It's week 16. Why are you signing Nate Peterman? Like, I just don't understand. I just don't get it. So, it'll make sense to you in five, in $50 million in. It'll make sense. Man, I, I'm already over. I don't even care anymore. The Raiders are just dumb. <laughs> All right, man, that's pretty much what we got. Anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Well, I did want to um talk a little bit about, do you believe in the top three contenders in the West? Because when you look at that, that list of who's leading. I mean, none of the teams that you think. Houston Rockets aren't in the playoffs. You got the Minnesota Timberwolves, Utah Jazz. None of these teams are in the playoffs. The top three teams are Denver, OKC, and I believe at one point it was Memphis, but I don't think they're number three right now. Now Memphis is number eight right now. Yeah, but this is a this is a crazy, crazy season. Yeah, I mean, I you and I have been bullish on Denver since before the um before the season started. So I think Denver is for real. Um, Golden State is obviously Golden State. Um, I'm actually surprised to see OKC in the top three, um, but they're playing as as good as any. I think, you know, that the Lakers are playing well right now, even though they lost last night. Um, The West is very interesting. It really is. Um, You know, I don't know what to make of the West. And, but, you know, it seems like every team is separated by a mere three games or something silly like that. Yeah, it's close. All these teams can turn it around. I just think everyone's sitting and waiting for teams like uh, Houston Rockets to turn around and make a big jump. And I just don't know if it'll happen. 
Uh, there's like four or five of those teams out that were in last year, and I'm not confident that all of them will get back in because the other teams are just playing so much better. Um, I like Minnesota, even though they're like 14 and 17. I like them to make a turnaround before Houston. Houston just looks like a very flawed team right now. I'm not in on Minnesota. I think they stink. Uh, I, I think that Utah can probably start to get their mojo back, but they've got a pretty tough road to climb. So we'll I did see. see something that Utah had like the test played like the toughest schedule in the NBA throughout these 25 games. So well, it that doesn't help that that Donovan Mitchell's kind of in that sophomore slump. Teams and got uh, got him not figured out, but they've definitely been able to scout him for a year, and now he's got to figure out how to be effective. Uh, in a different way than he was last year. Yeah, he definitely has a problem with efficiency, and they don't have a lot of legit scores. It's more of put the ball in his hands and let him go get it, um, Iverson style. So, But I, I like Minnesota, man. I like Cat. Cat's been looking a lot better. Their defense – no, excuse me. Their defense looks a lot better with Sark out there and Taj Gibson. I mean, they, they're just missing, like, a piece. I don't know what it is. But Minnesota just always feels like they're missing something. Last year it was Jimmy Butler. But this year, it's just something missing to to make them – push them up a little bit. And But, I mean, it should be interesting. But I'm, I really like Denver. With all the injuries that Denver has, they're still the number one seed. They have Paul Millsap out, Gary Harris out, Will Barton out, um, Isaiah Thomas out. <laughs> when this team gets healthy – I mean, people got to open their eyes. They could be a legit threat to Golden State. I don't think they'll beat Golden State, but they They're are a have good team. To say. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a good team, and not just this year. They're really young. This is one of the reasons why I thought that LeBron, it was crazy, but I thought LeBron should have went to Denver. That team would have been really good if LeBron would have went to Denver. The way they passed the ball, Mike Malone is an elite coach. Oh, for sure, and they built that team in a very organic way. Yeah, they obviously got some free agents um, but they've drafted most of their talent, and then you've added the Paul Millsaps, who's not what he was in Atlanta, but he's still pretty good when he's on the floor. Um, and then, you know, being able to bring in Isaiah Thomas for next to nothing, so whatever you get out of him is really house money. And then being able to gra- draft a guy who everyone thought could have been a number one overall pick coming in the draft this year, and uh, Michael Porter Jr., I mean, he's not even going to play this year. So they can keep this core together and, and, and build on this. They're only going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not so sure about Michael Porter though, that back injury being so young, but either way, I mean, they have the talent there and they should have enough. I mean, to even go out and pursue some free agents this year. Uh, if you put Kawhi Leonard on that team, it sounds crazy. They say he's going to LA, but just think if you put a Kawhi Leonard on that team and that's a spot of need for them if if that small forward position if you could put a Kawhi Leonard there with their depth that would be a crazy good team they could probably be Golden State with that lineup because Jokic is a real problem I would agree with that but I think let's clarify when we say Kawhi Leonard going to LA we ain't talking about the Lakers no no Uh, no, I definitely think he's going to the Clippers I think him to the Clippers is a real real possibility and uh you know Jerry West they're making moves yeah, that brought up something that we didn't talk about. Um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago during our bye week. Um, Kevin Durant made the comments talking about how hard it is to p- play with LeBron, that a superstar may not want to sign there. Uh, I thought that was very honest and something that I've been saying a long time. Like, as good as LeBron is, it's very, very hard for you to play with him unless you're a role player like a Kyle Korver or a catch-and-shoot guy. But I don't think there's a lot of superstars just anxious to go play with LeBron. 
No, I don't either. Um, and I think that you saw, you know, if you you look at a guy like Chris Bosh who, you know, was having a hell of a career out in Toronto and then when they joined up uh, in Miami together, I mean, it was just like watching two different players. And then you saw the same thing happen with Kevin Love. Um, yeah, LeBron James, as great as he is, and he is that, um, it's very, very hard to play with him. But I think Kevin Durant was coming more from the standpoint that it's hard to play with him because of the media circus that follows and the shadow that follows and that it's one of those things to where if you win, it's LeBron's, you know, it's because of LeBron. If you lose, it's your fault. I mean, I definitely agree with that, but I'm just saying there's a lot of things that go with playing with him. That's one of it, the pressure. You don't get any of the glory, all the glory. And that's that's why I think that, I mean, that's why I think that Kyrie Irving left. Not because, uh, you know, he wasn't getting the ball. Because LeBron allowed Kyrie Irving to be Kyrie Irving. He had no problems with Kyrie scoring. Kyrie was one of the better fits with LeBron. But the problem is, is when you're losing, it's like, oh, you got to trade Kyrie. Oh, it's not working. It's never LeBron's fault. And then when you win, you get none of the credit. Like I always say in that finals, oh, LeBron bought him back. LeBron bought him back. Totally ignoring all the work that Kyrie put in, even in the bad games. Because one thing about LeBron, people don't talk about it enough. He will shut down on you. If you are getting beat and he doesn't feel like everyone's giving effort, he will start coasting on you. And in a couple of those games against Golden State, when they were down 3-1, he was coasting and Kyrie was still trying to get it. And he was one of the ones that motivated him and pushed him up. He gets none of the credit. And the further we get from that championship, the less credit he gets. You can't even get people to talk about that he had a great series. Oh, that was all LeBron. Kyrie didn't do anything. Shit, man, him, <laughs> him, and the, those those last three games or something. I've never. I mean, those cats are putting up forty each. Yeah. Uh, you know, and yeah, you're right. Kyrie does not get his just due. And you talk about, you know, obviously LeBron made one of the greatest plays I've ever seen, really in NBA history with the block on Iguodala. But that shot was just as impressive. Um, you know, by Kyrie Irving. Yeah, uh, it was a clutch. Game. It, that it, was a clutch shot to take. You got to have some big cojones to take that shot. A fadeaway three. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, so, that was a big shot. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And I'm into, so, yeah, I don't think that's, I don't think Kawhi wants to play with him. I don't think Paul George wanted to play with him. I, I don't think that, as you said, a, a, a superstar in their prime is dying to play with LeBron James. I just, you know, I, and I think a lot of these guys probably did call. Uh, Kevin Love. They probably talked to Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade. Not that they, those guys are going to have anything bad to say, other than, you know, yeah, it's tough to play with them. Yeah, and I also think that's another reason with Carmelo playing with Paul George. I think that I think that may have sway Paul George. You know, Carmelo and LeBron are good friends, but they're both ball dominant. He might have thought, hey, you know, Russell getting his ear saying, I mean, that's a lot of what you're going to get when you're playing with LeBron, you know, just enough to convince him to say, you know what, I think I'm good here. Right. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, I But to go back to our original point, yeah, I think that the West is completely open. Um, now, like I said, once Boogie comes back for Golden State, I still think it's going to be um, tough to beat them. But I don't think they're head and shoulders above everyone like everyone thinks. I don't think that they're going to sweep their way through the Western Conference. I mean, it. a lot of that depends on how healthy Boogie is. Um, I'm, man, you're getting mixed messages. I don't know if this is just posturing or what. I mean, he's down in the G League practicing. He looks like he's getting close. Then you hear Steve Kerr say, yeah, he's not even close. It might be February. So it's, it's kind of hard to figure out what's really going on. I would think that you want to get him integrated as soon as possible to let him go through some of those kinks before they get to the playoffs. 
it's just hard for me to imagine anyone stopping them. And I mean anyone. All the stuff I said about Denver goes out the window, even with Kawhi, if Boogie is healthy. Boogie coming off a pick and roll, diving and shooting threes. Like, there's videos of this dude hitting like 10 straight threes. <laughs> I just I don't mean, know how you, I literally do not know. I'm not a basketball genius. I've seen a lot of basketball. It, short of him and Draymond getting into a fight on the court, I don't know how you stop those dudes. Yeah, but all that is good and well, but it does take some time for everyone to click and integrate and get to get a feel for each other. So it's, I don't see Boogie coming back and playing like, you know, 40 minutes, you know, 38 minutes, 36 minutes a game. He probably comes back and plays 25, which may be all you need from him. But, you know, it's going to take them a minute to gel and get going. Well, that's why I think that they should be trying to get him out there as soon as possible. Yeah, you don't want to rush him back. But I think I'm trying to figure out, is it him saying that he wants to wait or is it them being safe? Because with, with that chemistry, you got a team that's so good, it's played together so long. Even when they got Kevin Durant, there was a bit of a, you know, a, a phasing in process. So I would think that you want to get them in as soon as possible so you can phase them in so you don't have those problems late in the season. The last thing you want is to get them in the last 20 games. You know what I mean? And then that's just going to disrupt the rhythm going into the playoffs. It's just get them in there early. Get them in there at the beginning of January. Let them get some rhythm. Let them, you know, set some people. Let him, you know, control the team. You know, whatever. But I wouldn't wait until, like, March. That would That would not be good. Yeah, so we'll see. I'm I'm curious to see how how it works out with Golden State. Like I said, I do think that there are um, I think there's a lot of good teams in the West. I think Denver is for real, and if they can get some of their pieces back, that they're only going to get better. Um, and I, you know, if as you look out into the future, you can start to see like, all right, some of these teams are going to be really good if they add a piece or if they keep developing. I mean, you know, I I think that that basketball in the West is is going to be good for a while, and then I look over at the East and God, <laughs> I don't see a path to some of these teams and these getting any good anytime soon, which is just. I know it happened. They were they were looking like they wanted to be better, and then they say seeing Luka Doncic um, push the Dallas Mavericks from Mavericks from a lottery team up into the playoffs. Like you know what? I need one of those. We might as well just tank. I told you, Doncic. I I wanted Memphis to grab him bad. I thought he should have been the number one overall pick. Doncic, I think, is going to be a great great player. Yeah, I wasn't a I wasn't a buyer early on, but I've been watching him later lately, and that dude, he's nice. He's he's very nice. I like the way that uh your boy Yogurt, what is his name? Yo, Dave Yogurt, Dave Yeager, Yeager. Yeah, he threw a shot at the management saying that they didn't draft him because apparently there was some type of ceiling on his talent, but I don't see a ceiling. So I'm just wondering how long that relationship in Sacramento is gonna last because you got a great coach. And you got a great coach that hates the the management in the front office. I think you stick with the coach with the young talent, but we'll see. Yeah, the Kings knuckleheads, so that's what they do. <laughs> they never so. make the right decision. I'm sure they'll fire him and bring in Byron Scott or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, all right, man, that's all I got. Yep, we're good. That's it. That's all, man. We'll see you all next week. Pa- all right, Merry peace. Christmas. Peace.